Have you established rhythms in your homemaking life? At first glance, rhythms, also known as routines, can seem restrictive, but the opposite is actually true. Today's Homemaker Portrait explores how having set times and seasons in our homemaking frees our minds to remain focused on the why of practicing the art of home. Hello, homemakers, and welcome to season three of the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I'm a wife, a mom, and I've been practicing the art of home for over 29 years. Thank you so much for tuning into the Art of Home today. We are thrilled to have you with us as we present another homemaker portrait. That's what we're calling this type of episode now as we are making exciting plans to add some new types of episodes to the podcast in 2022. We're still going to be doing the homemaker stories that you have come to know and love, and we will round out our content with other offerings that also focus on inspiring and encouraging you in your practice of the art of home. Now that's just a little tease. We will have more information coming on that in the very near future. In today's episode, I'm chatting with my friend, Jen Darnold, about her practice of the art of home. Throughout our conversation, we kept coming back to the idea of establishing rhythms to keep things simple and focused on the why of home. Rhythms are all around and even within us. The sun, moon, and stars, the weather, the tides, even the beating of our own hearts remind us that we were made to live and thrive in the context of rhythms. Without rhythms, we tend to flit from one thing to the next, never landing long enough to make an impact or complete our endeavors. Without rhythm, we are easily distracted and derailed in our practice of the art of home. Rhythms are like guardrails, keeping you from ending up in the ditches of distraction or overwhelm. Over the years, Jin has learned how rhythms allow her to keep moving forward toward the goal of her homemaking to cultivate a place of provision where people's spiritual, emotional, and physical needs are being met. So whether you're filling up the bird feeders or cleaning out the car, settle into a rhythm as you enjoy Jen's story of home. All right, I'm here with my friend Jen. And Jen, before we go back to the beginning of your story of home, why don't you tell us just a little bit about who you are today? Wonderful. Thanks, Allison. So my husband, Lee, and I, we've been married about 24 years, and we have two sons. Our oldest is starting his sophomore year in college at Baylor University in Waco, and our youngest is embarking on his senior year of high school, starting all of the college application process figuring out what's next for him. And I currently serve full-time with a ministry helping with their leadership development efforts. Okay. Do you have any hobbies? You know, in this season of life, probably my main hobby is reading. I love to read. Mm -hmm. And so I actually probably have more books at any given time than I can get to. But if I can sneak away and get some reading time, it fills me up. You're a girl after my own heart. I am a big reader. Do you read fiction, nonfiction, both? I read... I don't read a whole lot of fiction, and I think that's just my personality bent. Mm -hmm. And so you'll find me, if you look at my current list of titles, it's a lot of leadership books because that feeds into my ministry work, a lot of uh, books about theology or different things or biographies, 
Mm, okay, so usually gonna, pretty practical reading. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here just a little bit. What's your favorite biography that you've ever read? Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's a big question. I think one of the ones from recent years that I loved was uh, Chuck Colson's oh, book yeah. about just the transformation in his life mm-hmm. and what happened going from the Watergate scandal to starting prison ministry. Mm-hmm. I just, I like stories about life change. Yeah, that was, and that was a dramatic life change. Yes. Yeah. Good choice. All right. So let's go back to the beginning. And when did you first become a homemaker? I think that's a great question. I think. Initially, I thought I would answer, well, in 1997 when I got married. But as I thought more about it, I really think it's earlier than that, probably about 1991, early 90s, when I first moved into my first apartment off campus with a friend, because all of a sudden there we had to do grocery shopping and cook, and we could host parties at our home. And so really, that was probably the first time I was on my own, no mom or grandma Mm -hmm. helping Mm -hmm. take care of things. Yes. And I love that you point that out, because a homemaker is anyone who has their own space that they cultivate and take care of. So, I mean, technically, you could be a homemaker, even if you just rent a room in somebody's house, or even as a teenager, this comes up a lot in our conversations um, on this show, letting our kids sort of decorate their own space and so that they feel comfortable there. Yes. Um, that they do their own little homemaking in their room. Well, yeah, because home isn't just for married couples with kids. I mm-hmm. think we all have homes, whether you're single, married, not married, kids, no kids. Right. It's the place where you reside, and and there's so much um, value and in that, and how you create that space. Yeah. Did you have any skills when you first started homemaking, or were you just kind of thrown into the deep end? Yeah, I think a little of both. I okay. think in some areas there were skills, and others definitely not. But I think just growing up in a home where my mom had me help her, mm-hmm. you know, with things, and my mom was a school teacher, and my grandmother came over every morning, made us breakfast. She helped keep our house up with our house and would make dinner. And so I kind of had watched two women, you know, care for our home. And so I learned things from them. And then also I was in Girl Scouts when I was little. And I feel like we did a lot of like learning practical Mm -hmm. life skills through Girl Scouts too. But it's different. I mean, when you're in elementary school learning those things versus young adult and having to do them for real. Yeah. So yeah, all those little patches that you have to earn, the little That's sewing right. patch and cooking, the little cooking patch. Yeah. And- that that the sewing patch was probably like my highest point in sewing in my life was <laughs> was getting that patch and I I haven't developed since then. Oh, well, that's okay. Which skill was the steepest learning curve for you in homemaking? You know, I think for me it was just how to organize at all. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, especially once I got married and then kids came around, I remember feeling a little overwhelmed of how does this all fit together? Like, there's all these tasks that need to be done, and I don't know how you get to them all. So I went through a lot of searching and 
just asking friends, like, how do you organize your day? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you organize your week of things to get done in the home? And that was really helpful for me to to come up with some sort of schedule or plan that would work for me. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because I used to, I worked full time in the accounting world and then went part time when my sons were born. And I really had a steeper curve once I was home, Mm -hmm. not working as much to try to figure out Mm -hmm. how to fit it all together. Mm -hmm. I wonder, that's interesting because was it that, because now you had this before when you were working, you had a limited amount of time with which to get it all done. And so you had to sort of force yourself to be very regimented. So then when you came home, now you have this vaster, vaster, that's not a word, but now you have this vast amount of time Yes, in comparison. Yeah. And I think more, I think when I was working before kids came along, there was less to do because kids weren't mm-hmm. in the picture and I had to kind of pick and choose, right. you know, these key things have to get done. But when kids came in the picture and I had that time, but it was just a lot of figuring out how to make sure things got done. Yeah. The key things. Yeah. So that goes right into our next segment, which is all about balance and resource management and challenges and expectations. And you said you did work outside the home. Um, that And I'm sorry, was that before the kids came? That was before, before kids came. I worked outside the home. And then when my firstborn came along, I went part-time. But I had a lot of help. I had both grandmas came Mm. for a day to be at the house, kind of like what I had growing up. The grandmas would come and help with laundry and help with cooking. and But then the second boy came along and the plan didn't work so well anymore. Mm -hmm. And I retired at that time and the grandmas kind of got released from Mm -hmm. helping as much. And that's, that's probably when too, I had to figure out more how to, right. To keep a a schedule. And as I, I talked to friends, one of the things that helped me, and this is just the way my, maybe my accounting brain works is Mm -hmm. I had to have order and so I started setting up like Monday in our house is known as clean sheet day. And so the sheets are washed on Mondays because if I don't do that, I forget. And mm-hmm. I don't remember how long has it been since these have been washed. And so when I kind of got on a schedule and knew Tuesday was grocery shopping day, Wednesday mm-hmm. was this day. And it didn't always work out like that, yeah. but it, it helped me bring some peace as I knew when right. things were going to get right. done. It brings peace in in the moment when it gets done and then actually moving forward because you, it kind of helps. It's almost like pillars to sort of help build the rest of your schedule around. Yes. you know. So I know I need to set aside time on Tuesday because I have to go to the grocery store or go pick up the order nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, or on this day, I'm, this is my bathroom cleaning day, so I need to make sure I have a little chunk of time set aside. Well, yeah. And that was, that was another piece of it too, was just learning that it was okay to like schedule things related to my what I needed to get done in the home into my calendar just like anything else. Right. And I, I don't know why that was a struggle at first, but I was I remember being at a I went to a moms of boys group back in the day because I did not know how to parent boys. And I remember one of the older mentor moms there talking about how she did her calendar. And she said, you can't look at just the day at hand Mm -hmm. and see, oh, I have space this day. I can do this. It helps to look at your whole week. Zoom out. Look at your whole week. Look at your whole month. And 
she said, it's okay to protect time just for you mm-hmm. and just for your family and schedule that like you would other things. And that was a big aha. Like yeah. if I don't build in time to know, okay, Monday mornings, I can't jump into other things right away because I need to get the sheets going or mm-hmm. other things. It just helped me have some rhythm to what was going on. Yes. I think rhythm is a really good word to describe that. When your kids started to get older, did you ever go back into accounting work? There was definitely times. The the nice thing that we've seen about my accounting degree is there were times where maybe it would help our family finances for me to work a little. So mm-hmm. I could could pick up some contract work or, or do other things. And so there were seasons where right. I picked up more work. We when when our boys entered elementary school, we made the choice to send them to private school. And mm-hmm. we never thought we were going to do that, but it's where we were led. And so at that season, it was going to help for me to to work more, mm-hmm. even to help with the finances for that. And they were in school, so I felt like I had more time. So I was able to do work from home, mm-hmm. accounting work that I could do in between dropping them off at school and picking them up. And so it's kind of ebbed and flowed. Right. And then as they hit probably upper elementary, middle school, I started being called to be more involved with ministry. Mm-hmm. And that became more full time as right. as the boys got older and my accounting work has has I've retired basically okay. from that as the ministry work was ramping up. Okay. Was that a challenge for you when you started now now you're now you were at a place where you had to also balance the work of the home with the side work of accounting, even mm-hmm. doing it in your home. Mm-hmm. Maybe that had some unique challenges. Yeah, I think I think for me to fit it all together for caring for the boys and really wanting to be intentional about relationship building with them, I had to let go of how things were going to work maybe in the home. And mm-hmm. so I'm pretty simple when it comes to to most of what I do for the home. If it's decorating, meal prep, anything like that, I I don't get filled up by it. And so I'm not one who's going to be looking for hours on Pinterest or mm-hmm. on blogs to find a great new recipe. I'll stick to my tried and true, simple mm-hmm. to to get everyone fed, but and so I don't spend maybe as much time, yeah. you know, on that or or things like decorating the home is not my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of our decorations have been the same for for the over the years. And so I think I think keeping that end of things simple mm-hmm allowed me to to spend the time, whether it was the part-time accounting work or now the more full-time ministry work, it, it helped me have that balance because something had to give. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's a really great point. We can't do all the things. Right. And that's great that you recognized, hey, you know, decorating and and complex meal preparation is just not my thing. Like you said, it does it what did you say? It didn't fill you up. Right. It's not a passion of mine. And I saw, and maybe it's especially like having boys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they just didn't care a whole lot. Just feed them something. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because even even the simple things that were done just to, to you know, kind of survive some of the crazy years with everything, I'm now hearing as my boys are older, 
how much they latched onto these things and have memories of these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would do something simple like pies for holiday. We'd have like a pie contest and Lee and one of the boys would always make this chocolate pie and the other boy and I would make the lemon pie. And we used the pre-made graham cracker crust. It was Mm -hmm. a simple like four ingredient recipe, but they loved those pies, you know, and they didn't really know the difference that it wasn't a homemade crust. And I'm sure the homemade crust would have been delightful. And I love my friends who love doing that. But for us, we Mm -hmm. just... We've kept it simple. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's really good advice. Let's talk a little bit about expectations. How well did the day-to-day reality of keeping a home full-time, how did that match any expectations you might have had about what it was going to look like? That's a great question. I I think I probably had some warped expectations <laughs> Growing up with basically two women running our home, yeah. we had my mom, we had my grandma, they got a lot done I'm sure. between the two of them. And so when it was on me and my family, I, I was like, wait, and I, I did have some help from the grandmas early on, but when they were gone and uh, I was on my own, I think I had to to get past kind of being overwhelmed by the volume of stuff. And my personality is very achievement oriented and very task oriented. And so I am zoomed in on the details and love getting things done. I'm one of those that will add an item to a checklist so I can cross it off. And I don't always zoom out to like see big picture. And so I think my expectations early on, I would think about just getting things done and mm-hmm. keeping the house clean, making sure people are fed. And at that time, hadn't really zoomed out to see the importance of home, like the why, like what's mm-hmm. the heart behind this? And that our home is a gift and it's a place of provision where people's spiritual and emotional and physical needs are being met. And this work I'm doing, which seems like toil because it's never ending. Right. And that was <laughs> that was a discouragement. I think I had to get past that the laundry just doesn't end. I can't check it off my checklist and be done forever with it. Like right. it's it's always there or the the dirty dishes or the dusty, you know. And so I think I had to go through a process of just learning to zoom out and kind of think about the why behind it, which I think brought more delight mm. into the work than just oh my goodness, it's I've got to do this again today. Yeah, exactly. That's a great perspective. What about challenges? Were there any special challenges that you faced in your homemaking journey? And how did you learn to manage those? You know, I think just, I think like early in marriage, I would think just Lee and I settling into who was going to do what and not maybe expecting that we're going to do everything every chore together all the time. Like (laughs) every night cleaning dishes, we're going to be there at the sink, you know, doing it together. And I think just settling into those kind of roles, not that we don't help each other out at times, but I, I went down a trip, a trip down memory lane as preparing for our time together today and looked back, Lee and I took a 
a marriage equipping class before we got married. 13 weeks, probably the best thing we did to start our marriage strong. And one of the exercises was like expectations for the home. And we had to go through at the time and say who was going to do this and that. And I didn't realize how helpful that would be. It's kind of funny looking at it now because not everything has played out in reality. Like he was going to commit to take always taking out the trash all the time. Well, yeah. he's not here when the trash needs to go out. <laughs> so that's been me. But I think I think overcoming that challenge of just who does what, how is it going to be done, it was nice to get past that and kind of settle that every time he's out in the yard doing stuff, he's not expecting me to always be right there. And every time I'm doing things inside. We kind of that's how we divided things up. He's kind of the outside guy, I'm mm-hmm. more the inside person and it helped me kind of settle that hey, this is my territory, this is my lane. I I want to ask him when I need help and he's happy to help, but I'm not going to get resentful if he's sitting on the couch after a long day of work and I'm still yeah. working on dishes. And so I think as in in the early years of marriage, it was just settling in. Right. To that was it hard for you when you came home, um, like f- retired from your job is what mm-hmm. you said, mm-hmm. was it difficult for you to make that transition? Were there, you know, visions you had of what that was going to look like and, or even letting go of your career that you had as an accountant? Yeah, it was definitely a transition. And I think, I remember thinking, wow, I was really confident at my accounting role yeah. and did well in my career and I got home and I didn't feel very confident and there mm. were just more failures. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait a sec, like I'm used to being high achieving and and doing things well. And I remember one day, I think it was changing someone's diaper, just almost in tears, like I'm better in my corporate role than I am <laughs> at this because it was just all so new and I was trying to figure out things and wanted to do them. The right now, I know there's not really always a right way, but I was one where it was time for my kids' first bath, and I had the notes from the <laughs> the the parenting class at the hospital about how to properly give a bath, and that's with the firstborn, you know. And then you realize, okay, you're not going to hurt your kid by giving them a bath the other way. But it just it, it was a bit of a transition to settle into a whole new frontier where I didn't have experience. And then also quickly realized, hey, just because I'm home, raising my kids does not mean there's a beautiful dinner, like beautifully decorated with the house perfectly cleaned up every night. And Mm -hmm. I had to kind of let go of those expectations because Lee definitely wasn't putting those expectations on me. It was more me of, oh, I'm not working now, so this should be just magical every evening. (laughs) And it didn't end up like that. No. (laughs) That's a good realization to come to. So do you remember when, when was the point where you kind of felt like, okay, I feel like I have some competency in this new role now? I would say it was a year or two, you know, after that transition from working, I was working part-time to, to being completely at home. I think probably a year or two Mm -hmm. where the amount of help we were having from the grandmas was kind of um, decreasing to where right. it was really me. And I I think I finally got to a place, it was still chaotic in that mm-hmm. season of life, but I had rhythms, I had structures, I had realized 
you know, what boundaries that were going to be good for me were that I'm not going to maybe cook like my friend's cooking or Mm. I'm not going to decorate my home or have Mm -hmm. dinner parties that look like hers because that's not me. Mm -hmm. And I had, it just took some discovery time to, to realize what was going to work for our family. And it was okay if that looked different than the family that we were doing life with from from church. Absolutely. That's such a good point because comparison can just be a huge trap for anybody, but particularly as homemakers. And even in this day and age for the younger women who are just starting their homemaking journey and they have Instagram and they have Pinterest and all of those things that says it should look like this. Yes. And that's just not realistic. I'm very grateful that I didn't start my homemaking journey as a mom and wife in today, like yeah. I think it, there would have been those challenges mm-hmm. of just guilt, like my my thing doesn't look like this, or I mean, there's so there's so many ideas out there mm-hmm. that I think I might have been overwhelmed by so many right. choices. Whereas I didn't have the internet as a resource, and so my my options to go to for advice and ideas, it was a much smaller mm-hmm. group of moms from my Sunday school class at church or from a, a mom's mentoring group that I was in. So there weren't as many ideas to have to to wade through. Yeah, exactly. And then really what we should be doing with those relationships is sharpening one another and encouraging right. one another and learning from one another rather than doing the comparison thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And as we've moved on in life and things have gotten busier, we also we hire help like where we need to, you know. And so we're in a season right now where Lee travels a bunch. And mm-hmm. so getting help cleaning the pool mm-hmm. was a way that we could get things Mm-hmm. get things done and still yeah and that's actually helpful. very applicable to what we were just talking about you know how do we get it all done how do we establish these rhythms in our homes mm-hmm. um because the other temptation one of the other temptations that we have to deal with as homemakers is i have to do this all by myself right and i can't have somebody come and help me with x or y or z mm-hmm. Um, sometimes budget constraints, you know, you just have to find a way to make it work because you can't afford to bring in help in a particular area or you can't afford to send the dry cleaning out or whatever. Um, but one of the things we want to encourage here is listen to these homemaker stories, right? Um, and then go find someone in your community that you can sort of latch on to and partner with, whether it's an older woman or a peer or both actually would be great. Um, to learn from the older women, to partner with them and partner with your peers and help one another out. Absolutely. I think there's so much value in that. And I think that's how we learn Mm -hmm. from others. And I think for everyone just to realize that their family is going to have a unique rhythm and things that are important to them. And so Lee and I knew like early on in marriage, having a clean house was super important to us. And it's not always clean, clean, but when I started as I was working and then went into pretty much like full-time ministry work in order to have the clean house that was super important to us, that's an area where we chose to allocate budget dollars Mm -hmm. to get help. And so we've had people who come help 
like do deep cleans on our house. There's other things that aren't as important to us. And so we might not allocate budget or there's certain things that we enjoy doing that we do ourselves. And there's definitely been seasons along the way where there was no budget for any kind of help. And, Mm -hmm. and we did it all, you know, those days. So it's definitely been a journey. Yeah. And just being intentional about sitting down and saying, what is important to our family? Mm -hmm. And, and what is it that we're willing to invest in, whether it's our own sweat (laughs) and time or allocating budget funds, you know, um, because that's important to us. And then what's not important and that, that will help bring some balance into your rhythm. We're going to talk about hospitality for a little bit now. We want to cultivate an atmosphere of belonging um, for the people who live here, obviously, and then the people who visit here, who come in and out of these doors. Um, how do you, how do you in in your family show hospitality towards one another? Maybe through memories or traditions or fun things that you've done or relationship building type activities? Yeah, I think we've always tried to be intentional about making our home just a refuge and a a place of rest Mm -hmm. where everyone feels valued. And so during different seasons of life, it's looked differently. Mm -hmm. But I would say like when the boys were younger, we did something we called them like they were family nights, Darnold family nights. Mm-hmm. And again, in, in my kind of spirit of keeping things simple, we just always did the same thing. So we had pizza, we had rainbow sherbet for dessert, mm-hmm. and we did some sort of activity those mm-hmm. nights. And we, at the time, got these workbooks from a group called Heritage Builders. And so they had these fun exercises for kids that had a meaning and purpose and message to it. And it was so simple. It was easy to put on. We had the workbooks. I would kind of find one, buy the supplies, flag it to show Lee. But our boys still, like they have so many memories mm-hmm. of those because it was an intentional time set aside. The fact that I ordered pizza and picked up some rainbow sherbet, like kept it yeah. easy. Right. But we just wanted those times together. As a family. And so, you know, those didn't last forever. As they got older, there was, you know, other interest. But we definitely tried to do things like simple, like birthdays. I have a little container of birthday decorations. Mm-hmm. And so it's they're the same. Like mm-hmm. each time it's someone will get a banner up above the kitchen counter. They'll get some party hats. I make pancakes with the number that they're turning yeah. on there and they have a special plate, you know? And so that's kind of our birthday ritual and it keeps it simple for me to where right. every year I'm not, Oh, what's the latest exactly. way to recognize my kid's birthday. And so we try to make a big deal out of birthdays. We also do, we just have tried to start little traditions. Like we had a a season that was hard back with the Great Recession in 2007. And so as we came out of that time, we didn't want to forget what mm. what we went through. And so we have an annual night each year where we remember mm. God's faithfulness during that time and what He carried us through. And we call it the Darnold Family Feast of Tabernacles. And we read a little mm. sheet that talks about all the ways people helped our family at that time. And and so, again, just simple, but yeah. it's a tradition that we just wanted to connect our family together yeah. through. 
Those are awesome. Those are awesome activities to do. And I love that you've let yourself off the hook of you pick up a pizza and you pick up some sherbet and it doesn't have to be homemade. And, right. you know, it's just simple. Just keep it simple. And the more, it's more about the the intentionality of um, creating that memory that, again, that rhythm word keeps coming up. Um, I really like that. I would love to talk about your marble jar. Oh, sure. Right here. Yeah. So I am one, I always say I'm not creative. Others would say that I am, but mm-hmm. I'm not always the one to like first generate an idea, but I have no problem borrowing ideas yeah. <laughs> from others. And so there's a parenting app that I used to follow that had great ideas. Like you would plug in your kids' specific age and uh-huh. where they were in high school, and it gives you some intentional things, mm. conversations to have with them. And I think it was from that app that I, I got this idea. And what they were encouraging parents to do is to get a marble jar for they're thinking like high school age kid and to put a marble in for every week that the kid had until high school graduation. And so starting my boy's junior year is Mm -hmm. when I, I did it. And so in the kitchen in a prominent place, there's the marble jar with a marble for each week. And then every Sunday I take out a marble and the parenting app encourages you to just speak life-giving words to your kid that day, to mm-hmm. be intentional about it. Not that I don't other days of the week, right. but, but the marble just helps you remember it. And so with my oldest son, we got to where there was one marble left in the jar, and we were getting ready to drive him to college to move into the dorm, and there were a lot of tears mm-hmm taking out that last marble. But it was neat for him to see too, because he knew it was his time to fly, you know, as that marble came out and he was excited and ready. And so when we got home from moving him into college, we filled the marble jar back up for my youngest and he knew. So he's kind of had fun watching it. I think as I get teary-eyed, they get excited as as the marbles (laughs) go down. But it's just been a nice visual to me to remember the time is short. Yes, absolutely. That is such a wonderful idea. Thank you for sharing that with us. So now what about hospitality to other people, the people that don't live inside these four walls? Yes, that has been something that has been a mission for our family that we have felt called to. And I feel like on on my side of the family, I grew up with a rich legacy of that. Mm-hmm. If I think back to my grandmother on my mom's side, she was known for her parties she would host for people and having people over. And I think back before it was probably called a supper club, like she had a supper club group and uh-huh. we knew those people and they were at her house and she... She was a mess there. Like her kitchen was always <laughs> crazy. Like, but she didn't care because she got to have people over. And then when I moved into elementary school, my grandmother ended up living, they were 10 minutes from us. And so she would hold what our family calls cookie bakes at her house. And we didn't really bake the cookies. I don't know why they were called cookie bakes, but she would have them made. And we I get, would get to invite friends over and we would decorate the cookies. And mm-hmm. we'd have little coffee tins that we would decorate to take them home in. And it became a big deal to get to come to one of these cookie bakes. So when my boys were elementary age, my mom started hosting the same cookie bakes, you mm-hmm. know, for them. And 
my family, we grew up always having, we were the house to, at Christmas. All my aunts and uncles and cousins mm-hmm. would come over. My mom would host a big Christmas open house. And with my mom being a, a high school teacher, we had students at oh, the sure. house a lot. So I think I just grew up with that yeah. mentality of, of larger gatherings. And so for our family, we've always wanted to be a place like where kids could gather, especially as our kids got older. And we started a ministry when we lived in Philadelphia. So we're native Texans, but spent about six years living on the East Coast. And we borrowed this idea from friends we had watched do it in Dallas-Fort Worth. But we started a ministry that we called Man Up. And we had eighth, ninth grade boys come over, and they would be fed, because that was a big deal. (laughs) Right? They would (laughs) learn some sort of man skill, which really a lot of the skills were just life skills that, that certainly women need to know too, but it might be like car care or... Or mm-hmm. grooming, or how to do plumbing in the house, or how to paint a shed. And then there'd be a message, and my husband would do a devotion mm-hmm. at the end. And so it was important to us to invite the whole grade. And my boys were at a school small enough that yeah. that wasn't hundreds and hundreds of kids. And so we ended up doing the man up ministry for four years straight between the two boys, both in Philadelphia and when we got here. And so we've always in our home. We were like, let's invite the whole grade to this. Mm -hmm. And that was important to us. We also have just wanted our home to be open. I I was sharing with you that we have a group of college students that come each year. They're in town in San Antonio on a leadership trip from Texas A&M, and they bring a chartered bus to our house (laughs) and get to hear about life after college. Mm -hmm. And so we have to move all the furniture out. When that group comes, it probably maxes out. Yeah, the how size many of our house? How many people? There's probably about sixty oh, wow. or so when they come for that. And so we we do a lot of like larger scale gatherings, but we also like to do my street I live on. We have a book club, and so I, we hadn't met in a year and a half right. with COVID, and we all missed each other. Mm-hmm. And I just threw it out there as like, hey, who's ready to start back book club? And we didn't read a. We don't always read a book, but mm-hmm. it's you know community gathering, and so it was so great. People stayed for hours, oh. swapping stories about the recent ice storm, and just catching up, and just to see the laughter, and yeah. joy, and I kept it simple. I kept the snacks simple. It was more important to get people here yes. in in community. Yes, that is wonderful. I'm a big fan of book clubs. I've been in a couple over the years. I'm in one right now. Actually, it's a virtual club. Oh, great! Yeah, so it's. It's with people all over the place. My mom, my stepmom, some friends, my aunts, um, and so we're we're working our way through classics. Oh, that sounds great! Yes. Uh, because these are the kind of books that you're not going to normally pick. Oh, I think I'm going to read, you know, uh, David Copperfield, which is one we took us a couple of months to get through that this summer. But to go through that journey with others, with others, and that's what I love about the group is we we do a Zoom meet at the end of the month to talk about the book, and it's just really fun. And um, when I've been in community book clubs before, where we actually met in person, these were people that. I probably would have never gravitated towards naturally, but we just came together under that common love of reading and formed some relationships that were lasting and really meaningful. I think what I love about 
hosting things is and just being willing to open up our home because I think a lot of it's just willingness, exactly. willingness to create a space for people to come is just the community aspect for it and getting to hear what's going truly going on with people and like the book club a few weeks ago for our street we found out about a neighbor going through a pretty big health challenge mm. and just driving by people's homes or maybe waving while they're out walking, you don't get to know truly what's going on in people's lives. And I think back to some of the times we hosted Man Up and there might've been a boy here whose dad had passed away the mm. year before or a boy who just didn't feel connected at school, but it was the one night of the month that he was invited to something that everyone was invited to. And so we've really tried to have that mindset with hospitality. It's interesting, speaking of hospitality, just having to consider and respect the different personality types within my family, Mm. because I'm probably the most extroverted. So if it were up to me every weekend, Mm -hmm. we would have dinner party, large gathering, and <laughs> I'm alone in in that with our family. And hospitality is important to them, but I have to understand Lee, who, like this week, for example, he's traveled all week. He lands at 8 o'clock tonight. Mm-hmm. And so I'm already thinking about this evening, how to create a space for him right. to rest and refresh after being gone, where I'm kind of ready to go out because I've been home mm-hmm. all week with him on the road, but I need to give him space. So I'll probably have dinner here, go pick up food to, to have here for him. My my oldest loved large-scale gatherings for Lots of friends. We hosted a dinner before their Christmas ball senior year, and we got to decorate and photo booths. We had probably 30 kids here. For my youngest, he's very much introvert, and that's mm-hmm. not fun for him. Right. And so I will suggest, hey, can we have a big group of guys and girls over? And all he wants are his five or six yeah. type. Buddies. And so I've had to adjust hospitality for him. And and so I just try to make when his five or six tight group guys are here, try to make it really special for them. Like I know mm-hmm. what drink they like. I know what their food preferences are. Mm-hmm. And it's funny with that group, they love Rice Krispie, homemade Rice Krispie treats. And well, so, who doesn't? <laughs> so simple. I guess they've been raised on like the, the prepackaged ones. And so I make sure at all times I have marshmallows and Rice Krispies uh-huh. here because I never know when that group will land here. Yeah. But if they are here, you see me whipping them up and they think they are the best thing ever. I was like, boys, I'm just following the I recipe know, on the box. They are the best thing but ever. Yes. I, I, I have to watch myself <laughs> when I make them, but just trying to make them feel that this is a space they want to come to. And it's a simple way, just having the Rice Krispie materials on hand for them. Yeah. Being prepared and then being aware of what's meaningful for each person. It's a really great hospitality skill. We will get back to Jen's story in just a few minutes. Right now, it's time for historical homemaker hints. This is the part of the podcast where we highlight some of the helpful and not so helpful hints doled out to homemakers throughout history. Today's hints come from the 1898 publication, The Art of Homemaking in City, in Country, in Mansion, in Cottage by Margaret E. Sangster. 
From the chapter entitled Order and System, Margaret advises the following. Every sensible person knows that the affairs of life are carried on to much better advantage when they are managed with a certain regard to routine than when the duties of the day are left to accident. Especially in the beginning of housekeeping, it is a good plan to regulate the various dates according to system, to have certain days for certain work, and as a rule, not to vary much in the schedule laid down. I agree wholeheartedly, Margaret. Rhythms are so crucial to a successful practice of the art of home. We thrive with rhythms of work, of rest, of play, and creativity. Rhythms help us decrease mental clutter and avoid decision fatigue by setting up a framework of necessary housework around which we can build the rest of our schedule. Rather than flying by the seat of our pants and having to decide every single week when we're going to do what housework, we just need to make the decision once. Establish a basic rhythm of housework and stick to it. Tweaking is necessary based on seasons and circumstances. While my housework schedules have changed over the years, I've always tried to establish regular rhythms to make sure the basics were getting done. I have daily rhythms and I have weekly rhythms. Currently, my weekly housework rhythm is as follows. I clean on Monday. I do laundry, ironing, mending, anything related to clothing on Tuesdays. I grocery shop on Wednesdays or I pick it up curbside. I wash sheets on Thursday and I tend to my plants and tidy my porches on Fridays. I do larger projects or catch up on Saturday. This rhythm does not cover every single task on my to-do list, but it usually ensures that the basics are going to get done and frees up my mind to think about other aspects of my practice in the art of home. It's interesting to hear what Margaret considers an acceptable house cleaning rhythm in 1898. Monday, by time-honored custom, is in most families devoted to washing. If the housekeeper rises early and has taken the precaution to sort her clothes the night before, putting those which are most soiled into water to soak, keeping the fine and the coarse things apart, and taking this hardest labor of the house with a cheerful spirit, she will find it a good thing out of the way when Monday's sun goes down. Tuesday is ironing day. Wednesday may be taken for mending and putting in needful stitches before laying away the freshly laundered clothes. Thursday and Friday divide between them washing windows and sweeping and general cleaning, while Saturday is common consent appropriated to baking. Enough in the way of bread, pies, and cakes being easily prepared than for the wants of an ordinary household. If one must bake twice a week, then Wednesday is the better day for the second campaign of this kind. Did you catch that, friends? An entire day was needed for washing. And in that, the well-prepared homemaker would have had the foresight to sort the clothing and pre-treat the stains the night before. Then add two more days to fully complete the clothing care routine with ironing, mending, and putting away. I know many of you, like me, have had times when the laundry required all day to get completely caught up. However, that was with the amazing luxury and convenience of a washer and dryer, not washboards and hand wringers. So next time you're tempted to groan at the pile of dirty clothes awaiting you, think of those poor women of old and the toil that was wash day, and offer a prayer of thanks as you toss those clothes into the wash and press start. Well, that's it for today's historical homemaker hints. As always, please remember this segment is for entertainment purposes only, and I leave it to you, the listener, to determine the safety and soundness of this advice. Now back to Jen's story. Let's talk a little bit about seasons and homemaking. So how has your role as a homemaker changed over time? 
It definitely has changed. And I liked that you used the word season. And that was that was another learning curve for me, was just understanding seasons. And I think early on in my homemaking journey, I would hear these moms at all stages of life talk about different things they were doing. And again, I felt a little overwhelmed, like, am I supposed to be doing all these things at once? And I remember being in a Bible study at a church we were at in Dallas-Fort Worth, and they were very intentional with a a study they offered for, for women about all different parts of of being a woman. And one of the key takeaways I I had from that study was about seasons of life. And there was actually a chart someone shared from a book of that walked through seasons and it had like possible things you might have in that season or focus on in that season. And Mm -hmm. for some reason, like seeing that helped me relax. Like, oh, there will be a time when my kids aren't in the home and I have more time to even think about this or that. And But right now I'm in this very specific season, so I'll be intentional here. And so that kind of helped to realize, because I think especially early on in the journey of motherhood, you just don't see how it's ever going to end. Right. And I remember even, you know, from day one, the early weeks thinking, my kid's never going to sleep. They will never <laughs> sleep. And I remember my mom, who I talk to my mom most every day, call her about parenting things and recipe things. But I would call her at that time just in tears, like, will he ever sleep? Mm-hmm. And she kept assuring me, You'll get there. He'll get there. Yeah. And so, and then people start to say, enjoy these times because they'll be in school before you know it. And you're like, I don't know. And how you just want to punch them in the face when they say that to you. Yeah. You're like, but it doesn't seem like it's yeah. going to end now. And so now, having one in college and one, we have the marble jars looking thin. Now, you know, we don't have yeah. that many more months with him. So now we're on the edge of a big season shift yes. to to empty nester. And so I think the early years of homemaking were very labor intensive. Mm-hmm. You know, so much laundry, so many dirty dishes, sippy cups, that. And so I, I kind of see some of that slowing down, especially as our boys got older and we keep saying we're working you toward emancipation, so we're not going to do as much for you. <laughs> right. And so we've had them doing their own laundry for years. And so that has cut down somewhat on my laundry and teaching them to cook or they're busy and mm-hmm. we're not as home. We're not home for, for family dinners in quite the same way. Right. So some of those things have, I think the day-to-day like busyness has starting to decrease. Yeah, And so just kind of trying to prepare myself now for this next journey of, mm-hmm. of empty nest. And we had a little taste of it 4th of July this year. My oldest was working at a summer camp, so he was gone. My youngest got invited to go to the lake with a friend's family. So it just left Lee and I, and it's the first time maybe for a holiday, like yeah. a more major holiday, we were alone. And it was really fun. Like we enjoyed each other, but I still put on a little spread and party and put out my little, a few little 4th of July decorations. I was like, just because it's just the two of us doesn't mean it can't be a celebration. A celebration and fun with some decorations and typical holiday food and such. I think that's really important to maintain an atmosphere of celebration and 
not let go of some of those things just because it's now just you and your husband. Right. That's something I am learning right now. Yes, so. but it, it's such a it's a shift because Absolutely. so much energy and thrust mm-hmm. has, has been put into mm-hmm. the raising kids season, and it's just this transition yeah. to the next yeah. place. But it's good. It's a good transition. Right. How are you preparing? Do you think? For the the big transition to the emptiness, yeah, I think I think more like mindset, like mm-hmm. preparation. That I still want some of the principles that have been important to us mm-hmm. over the years to to carry through. Right. That we're not going to all of a sudden eat out every night, and we yeah. maybe we can eat out more, but just to try to to start getting my head around still making things special, still making our home, you know, a refuge. We anticipate that I'll be able to travel with Lisa yeah. when he goes on work trips. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of excited about that. Yes. I'm having to contain my excitement so my one still at home doesn't think we're ready. <laughs> like for pushing him him out leave. the door. Yeah. Like mom and dad have a party planned the next few years. <laughs> but I see too, like we're we're definitely in the sandwich generation right now where we have aging parents that have needed a lot of help mm, this yeah. year. And I always knew this was coming from right. being around around women in a season ahead of me, which was helpful. So it didn't catch me by surprise. But this year, a big thrust for us has been helping clean out Lee's parents' home, getting it on the market, getting them moved to assisted living and then memory care. And so I am grateful as the boys get a little more self-sufficient and they still have plenty of needs, but we do have that time to help care for our aging parents as well. That's so good that you bring that up because Sometimes we would, we feel like we've poured out, we've poured out, we've poured out so much on our kids. And then now it's time to rest and it's time to take a break and it's me time, but not so much because there's, there's more work for us to do. Like you said, being in that sandwich generation, it's now we get to, we get to, not we have to, but we have an opportunity to turn around and serve those people who poured out into us and raised us at a time that they need us. And it's an honor. It is. Really. It's it's been a lot of work and a lot of extra time figuring things out, but it's an honor. And I've loved that my boys have especially that they've gotten to watch their dad care for his parents in such a tender yeah. way. And I hope they're taking notes because it will be us <laughs> one day. Exactly. You know, that that it'll be their turn to care for us most likely at yeah. some point. Yeah. That's really great. Can you give us an example of a difficult transition in your homemaking life from one season to another? I think so. I think there's definitely been transition periods. Some have gone smoother than others. And I think a really big transition for me was when our family was called to move away from from Texas. We had a pretty nice setup in the Mm -hmm. Dallas-Fort Worth area in that my parents and Lee's parents were within like 20 minutes from us. So we had a lot of help. We had a lot of support. We had never had to pay for a babysitter. Mm. If I was putting on a big party, there was a grandma there like helping me with food prep or watching the boys so I could, could get the hospitality ready. And we ended up in 2010 we were called to Northern Virginia of all places for work for my husband. And it was very clear that it, we needed to take that 
that job. And in my mind, I thought I was going to live in Texas forever, Mm -hmm. have the grandparents right near us. And I wasn't one, I'm not one that looks for change. Like my husband thrives on change and I am like steady, like I could do the same thing forever. And so all of a sudden we land in the Washington DC area. Our boys were, let's see, they were like eight and six, like they were pretty young and they had had a pretty cozy life, you know, before we moved there. And so we ended up in this new place and it was a lot of hard work to, mm-hmm. to get settled. We didn't know anyone. And I remember like the first time I had to, I had to find a babysitter for the first time ever. And I was terrified mm-hmm. like of figuring out who to leave my kids with. And thankfully it was a great opportunity there to like connect with a neighbor whose daughter was awesome. Like we ended up using her the whole time, but I didn't know like which grocery store to use. Like yeah. just, I had to be patient mm-hmm. to kind of start all over and I had to set new rhythms. And like, as we talked about before, like rhythms and structure and somewhat yeah. of a schedule is really important for how I operate. And it was all thrown yeah. out and yeah. it was like, okay, what's the Virginia schedule going to be? It's a new house. I knew how to take care of the other house. And, and so it took some time and I had to learn just to give myself some time. But when we look back now at that time in Virginia, away from family, having to create new rhythms, it's special to Mm -hmm. us. And it was just the four of us Mm -hmm. without, you know, a lot of impact or influence from extended family. And we had so much fun in that season of life. We, there was so much to see and explore. You know, we would take the Metro in to D.C. and go see one of the Smithsonian's, mm-hmm. and we would go to the mountains. We'd go to Annapolis and see the Naval Academy, and it was just a, a special time of really bonding in a way we hadn't before, but it took some time. And then just as we were feeling settled in Virginia, after just two years, we got called to move to Philadelphia, further north, and yeah. so there were just, again, new rhythms, new places to figure out how to how to get our home pulled together. And then you add snow in and having to deal with all the the snow. And so now I'm better at transitions, I think. Now that we've moved different places, yeah. I'm like, okay, it takes some time. Mm-hmm. These things will get figured out. It's a great way to meet people, to ask for help. Of where, mm-hmm. where do you go for this or that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is an opportunity. We can look at it either as a burden and an obstacle, or we can look at it as an opportunity and giving yourself grace to say, this is going to take a little bit of time and I can't force a square peg in a round hole by trying to take my rhythm from Texas and apply it in, you know, Virginia. Yes. It's not going to work. I have to figure something new out. And then also I love that you pointed out that that's an opportunity to really bond as a family unit because you're sort of forced to do that. Yeah, we just had each other. Yeah. You know, but I think our family looks back now and we wouldn't be who we were today without that time on the East Coast. And we have special, special friendships mm-hmm. from that season. Mm-hmm. And it just added some neat flavor yeah. to our lives. Yeah. So what does homemaking look like in the season that you're in right now? How are you still challenging yourself to grow and learn as a homemaker? 
that's a great question too, because it does it does look different. And I, I'm home by myself more with a teenager who's with his friends and a husband who travels. And so it can look a little different. And I think I'm striving to just still be intentional. And I, I've seen times where recently where, where if I got real busy and there were a lot of ministry projects going on, I might kind of forsake some of Mm-hmm. The things that are really important to keeping our home how we hope. And, you know, an example of that would be last year we were in a very busy ministry year with reacting to COVID and our organization was rolling out some strategic planning and it, it was just a lot of hours each day. And Cooper came home one evening and he's like, Mom, I figured you're too busy to cook again tonight. So I stopped at the gas station and oh. got dinner. Oh, and that's where it hit me. I'm like, oh my goodness. Because again, my personality type likes achieving, likes doing. So I'll just keep doing, doing, doing. Right. And I can forget like, oh yeah, there's people here that need to eat. So the gas station <laughs> dinner comment kind of woke me up to where, so I have been trying to be more intentional about getting back to the basic, like the, the structure that helped when the boys were little of planning the meals for the week, mm-hmm. you know, and I've been trying to now because I'm not a chauffeur anymore, so I'm not right. driving the kids around. So I do have more time. So I have had, I've tried to grow in my cooking knowledge, like not fancy, but just trying new recipes, yeah. you know, and so that's been kind of fun because we've found some new favorites. Yeah. And so can you give us an example of a new favorite? Yes. So one, I like the website, I think it's called Skinny Taste. Oh yeah. That's and they a great, have great recipes. Yeah. And so there's a soup on that recipe and it's turkey meatballs and tortellini and spinach Ooh, yummy. in the soup. And that became like this favorite this past year of my boys. And I was like, how fun. So now I've gotten them involved in making the meatballs and such. That sounds and wonderful. So just trying some new recipe. And what I love about looking at recipes online is you can see the reviews yes. and see yeah. have, have they worked for other people. So I'm trying to kind of grow in in that area. And I think in this season of homemaking where we're in a season where Lee's traveling more, just trying to be intentional, really intentional about the aroma of the home mm-hmm. when he gets back from being out of town. So uh, the, as I mentioned tonight, he flies in and so I will try to have the laundry yeah. put away, not all over our bed. And just to know that he's expected and valued yeah. and appreciated for what he did working for us on the road. Yeah, that is a really week. excellent goal. That's great. And I think I think having the next season so close, mm-hmm. I have some things that I have never invested the time in working on that I'm kind of excited about. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe in this next season I can do this. So an example of that is gardening. Uh-huh. And that had I have not had good success with that. And I love the idea of, yeah. of gardening. But it just hasn't fit in with everything else. And so in our current home, we actually, on the side of the house, the previous homeowners built three beautiful garden boxes. There's drip irrigation in there. 
And I tried one year, yeah. and I was like researching what to plant when, and it was overwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. And I tried, and it failed. And oh. so we haven't done anything with those beds, but I was like, what a great opportunity mm-hmm. even just to plant flowers, because I love fresh flowers in the home. And so I kind of have some things like that, yeah. that I, when we get through this year, get number two out of the nest Yes, that I, I'm kind of excited to oh. venture into some new homemaking areas. That is wonderful. And that is a really great word to speak to um, other ladies who are maybe looking straight down the barrel <laughs> of an empty nest coming. Part of, I think, what will help us in our transitions is to don't just ignore it like it's not coming. <laughs> but... <laughs> really think about, set some goals for yourself. And what are some things, like you said, that maybe I didn't have time for before, but now I might want to explore and use it as an opportunity to do something new. Yeah. So we'll see. You can check back with me in a year and see how my garden's (laughs) doing. But I think gardening's one that's always been on my radar. There's others that I just never will aspire to. So even in this empty nest season, and my whole family makes fun of me about sewing. Like they just know not to come to me if a button has gone off (laughs) or if pants need to be hemmed. Yeah. I have tried, like my mom bought me a sewing machine. It's, it's, been in a closet oh. the whole time. And like I said, I don't think since the Girl Scout sewing badge have <laughs> I really into and so I don't even I don't even hope to get good at sewing one right. day. Like it's right. just well I don't think, it's not for everybody. No, it is is not. And my mom's wonderful at it. When we lived closer to her, I she did all of the buttons and the hemming and now she's into quilting and our, our family fights for her next quilt to, to come to us. And I, I, it's beautiful what she does, Yes, but I'm not sure that that will be in my wheelhouse. And that's okay. Cause like I had to get said, okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like we said, we can't do all the things and we shouldn't try to do all the things and we don't have to do all the things. Right. Right. That's, we have freedom in our homemaking journey. <laughs> that has not been a priority and probably won't be okay. for me. Well, good. We are going to go into a time now of some rapid fire questions. This is one of my favorite parts of the interview about homemaking tasks. So how about a homemaking task that you love? I love just organizing mm-hmm. the to-dos of homemaking. Okay. It's probably my favorite part of it. Okay. How about one you hate? I absolutely hate pairing socks. <laughs> and I can't explain why, but I it's the last thing mm-hmm. I do, putting laundry away. And actually, Lee knows that I don't like it. So if he's watching TV, he's like, bring me the socks. Like, he knows. <laughs> and I don't know what my barrier is mm-hmm. about pairing socks, but it is my, I just don't know. Yeah. I don't enjoy it, and I dread it. That's fair so enough. So I put it off. That's fair enough. Well, there's a lot of obstacles to successfully pairing socks, especially <laughs> if you live with three men. Because... They get confused about whose socks is whose, and you don't remember who has this kind of sock and that kind of sock, and then there's not a match for that sock, and oh, it's, it's very, very frustrating. It's complex, and so I just put it off. And so you will see usually piles of socks around our house because I, I just got to, I just got to the point with my boys where I just quit messing with all that and we had a big basket in the laundry room all the socks went in there. That's a great idea. Make your own pairs. Yeah, because... Why not? Yeah. Yeah. All right. How about a task that you grew to love? 
I think I grew to love laundry, just laundry in general, mm-hmm. not the pairing of the socks. But when I I started thinking about it more because I had to find some sort of delight in it because it's just, it's never ending, like yeah. I said. And when I kind of zoomed out from the task at hand to think about how I could be grateful as I was doing laundry. Mm-hmm. And so as I am putting laundry in, I try to just express some sort of things like, you know, thank you that we have clothes to wear or thank you for this family member that wears these clothes. And so I'll pray for that person. Mm-hmm. And so I think when I started coupling that yeah. with the laundry itself, it it helped. Yeah. And so I think I grew to to love I don't know if I lo- say love, but I grew to appreciate appreciate that task. not not dread it, but maybe even uh, look forward to that opportunity. That's great. How about your worst homemaking fail? That's a really interesting question because there's so many. I mean, there's so many <laughs> fails, and so probably my biggest, most largest scale mm-hmm. fail was one of the times, and it was here in San Antonio, we were hosting one of the man up groups for the boys. And those were big nights. Like we had to feed sometimes 40, 50 people. And so again, I would try to keep things simple and there wouldn't be big theme dinners. You know, it was I, I had plates, silverware from Costco. I would get food from Costco or parents would would donate food. I had to keep it simple to feed that many kids. Sure. And so one of the nights I was serving mac and cheese from Costco. And We've served it in the past. Like every year it shows up at Man Up and boys love it. So I was yeah. like, this is, there's no way this doesn't work. And so I heated it all up in the oven. 40 boys come through the line. They're all in the backyard spread out eating. And then the adults start eating. And I take a bite of it and something is very wrong oh, with no. the mac and cheese. Oh, no. I have never had a taste quite like that before. And I was horrified because oh, everyone was is eating. eating. And I had Lee, I was like, Lee, smell this. Like something is wrong. Oh, no. And I said, go now, go quickly. Like <laughs> get a trash bag. He went outside oh, and was great. We were scraping mac and cheese like off of every boy's plate. And some of them were like, Mrs. Darnold, I was wondering, like this is just... <laughs> didn't taste right. And I don't know if like more of a seasoning guy, I don't know what happened to it. But then you start thinking, you get carried away. Like, what if everyone gets sick? Uh Like, what if all these 40 kids who the parents have entrusted them to our care (laughs) get sick from this failed mac and cheese? And it wasn't even something I had invested in trying to make. I was like, I'm trying to keep it. it simple. But the Costco people were really sweet and gave us a refund. And thankfully, no one got sick. Okay, that's good. But that's probably my biggest fail that impacted the most people. Mm -hmm. But there's fails like all the time, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like every week. And I kind of learn, you know, you learn. You fail forward and you learn. And I had a fail preparing for book club a few weeks ago. And I learned it's probably not the best time to try for me to try a new recipe. So I was trying something new <laughs> and it totally failed. And yeah. I was doing these little Mediterranean skewers, but I didn't have time to get the proper 
type of skewer. So I was trying to use these other ones and I'm trying to assemble them before the ladies are coming and they're just falling apart. Oh and, no. And I was like, you know, I probably should have practiced or, yeah. or had these in a smaller scale before doing it. So now I'll know. That's a good word of advice. It's generally not a good idea to try a new recipe right before company is coming. Yeah. That's now, (laughs) that's now like one of my rules for homemaking. Uh, All right. How about a memorable achievement in homemaking? I think this is one that just recently has come to light and it's with my boys. Now that they express like the traditions or the things we did that I didn't even realize that they were picking up on that are important to them. And Mm -hmm. an example of that is I, when they were younger, I had a candle that I just loved, Mm -hmm. like a certain scent. And so I just kept our house like stocked with that one scent. And then for whatever reason, I think with one of our moves, like I just forgot about it or stopped ordering it. And so then last year I was like, oh yeah, I used to love this candle. And so I got another one and they both went crazy. Oh. They're like, mom, this smells like my childhood. Oh. Like, And I had no <laughs> idea these boys had yeah. even noticed that aroma. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like on auto ship from Amazon yeah. because I'm like, Absolutely. oh, this, this makes a difference for them. It really and does. It's the scent of our home. And we, we've talked a lot growing up about just wanting to have a good aroma, not Mm -hmm. only in our home, but in our lives. And so that was just special to me to see how much they cared, you know, about that, or maybe how impactful it was. Yeah. That they remember that it made a difference. It made it, it symbolizes home Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. And in, in that same light, there's been, there's some like holiday traditions that we did that the kids are like, wait, we have to do this Mm -hmm. at Easter. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, they were paying attention. Like this mattered. And so I would say that's just a memorable achievement and something I didn't even know I was trying to achieve, Right, but it was a special outcome. Yeah. That's a great example. What are your top three homemaking tips? I'm happy to share these and most of these have been picked up from others along the way, yes. which I'm thankful for. So one of them that was passed on to me when I was a, a young mom was to prepare the night before mm-hmm. for the next morning. And that's one that's just stuck with me and has ha- saved like countless hours of stress, just taking a little bit of time the night before, whether it's to get breakfast like planned and and start to get the ingredients out so they're close or get that lunch box. Yeah. You know, a halfway plan was a big deal. I think the second one I would offer being a mom of teens these days, and this was passed on to me by a mentor mom who's boys are like five or six years older was to keep food on hand, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's just in the freezer or in the pantry, but just to be, so you're ready for these boys coming by. Cause they're always hungry. Food yes. is a great way to love on them. And so kind of like the rice crispy treats I talked about earlier, whatever it is that kids yeah. like that has been really helpful. And then the third is just, again, because my bent is organizing and scheduling, (laughs) was to keep 
to figure out which days of the week to do what. That was just so helpful to know. I don't have to wash the sheets every day. I don't have to think about washing the sheets every day. I know on Mondays, exactly. that's happening most weeks. And so I think just kind of knowing what was going to happen when was yeah. helpful. I, I love that you said, I don't have to think about washing the sheets every single day because I know it'll happen on Monday. Yes. And then being disciplined to do it on Monday because that frees our brains up of all that. It takes up like, space in our brain when we're constantly thinking, I need to wash the sheets. I need to wash the sheets. I need to when wash can the I sheets. wash the sheets? <laughs> right. When did I wash the sheets? Yeah. <laughs> it just takes the guesswork out. Yeah. And so that would be my, my third tip. Great. Those are great tips. Thank you for sharing those. All right. We're going to end our time with a little bit of reflection on the art of home, which is what we're all about here on this show. How do you believe that homemaking is an art? I definitely would see it as an art. And I think when I think about art, I think about not having always like rules. And what I what I've learned over the years is that what my homemaking journey might look like could be very different from a real good friend of mine. And so I think of art like not being the same across the board right. for people and having to realize what that art looks like for you. It's very in individualistic by the, by the person. It's unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I remember early on in homemaking, like I would, I would hear like a really good idea that works so well, whether it was meal prep or other mm -hmm. things. And I'd share it with a friend. Cause I just knew that it was going to be life changing for her too. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not sure that would work for my family. And I'm like, what? Yeah. It's so great. And, and I had, to, I learned over the years, wait, just cause it's great for me does not mean yeah. everyone else thinks exactly that it'll be great too. and vice versa. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, how about beauty in the home? A lot of what we do can be considered sort of menial work. Um, how do we find beauty in that? Yes, I think it's important to to zoom out and look beyond the task at hand and right. really think about the why and what's being accomplished. Because anything, any outcome that is achieved takes work. Mm -hmm. And so if you... If you step back to think, what am I trying to achieve in my home? What am I hoping to achieve? Yeah. And then you link the work to it. Like, oh, well, this is a way to get there. It makes it a bigger deal than just the laundry or the dirty dishes or dusting. And I think having that mindset that your home is a gift, mm -hmm. it is a provision and what are your goals for it? You know, for us in our family, we wanted our home to be a refuge and a place of peace mm -hmm. because outside of the walls, there's a lot going against us, Yeah, you know, and we wanted people, no matter what kind of battles they were facing out there during the day, when they got home, that it was a place of, <sighs> yeah, you know, I'm safe here. Right. I'm safe here. And so... I think I, I was asking Cooper as I was preparing for our talk today about like what he values about our home. Mm -hmm. And I think he, he just said he likes that it's picked up and organized it, just anything to reduce noise in life. Like there's so much noise. Yeah. So when I have a meal planned and I'm not at dinner time, like, I don't know what we're going to do. And mm -hmm. we have plenty of nights like that, but it just, it brings peace. Mm-hmm to the home. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
We know that homemaking is valuable to us individually, to our family. How do you feel like homemaking adds value to communities and society as a whole? I think as you think about a community and society and always think about taking care of your people, right? you know, and if you think about if if all the homes in a certain community were refuges, mm-hmm. what difference that would make, what right. impact it would make. We've had definite connections with people over the years and people who've been inside our home that their home growing up was not a refuge mm-hmm. or maybe they didn't have a home growing up and uh, just the difference it can make to yeah. have that place of acceptance and strengthening and people cheering for you. And uh, even for someone who's single, like having a place to come home to just mm-hmm. for respite, I think I think there's ripple effects yeah. to the community and society at large when people are operating from like this place of peace and being filled up. Mm-hmm. And provided for, I think it would make a lot of changes. Right. If you could give one piece of advice to a young mom out there that's listening, what would that advice be? I would encourage the young mom to find community Mm. and not just digital community, but in the flesh community. And I, I think it's so easy right now to forsake that. Because you can get so much information from the next blog or podcast or just ask a question online and you get thousands of answers. But I think being face-to-face, voice-to-voice mm-hmm. is is how we're wired for that, for needing that. Yeah. And I don't think anything can replace that. And I, I think for a young mom... It can be a season of thinking you're alone and I'm the only one dealing with this. And when you're in a community, you hear those other people going through similar things and you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. you too. It's Mm -hmm. not just me. And it makes what you're going through seem a little more normal. And you can share great tips for the journey with each other. Yeah. That's a great, great word of advice. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today and sharing your story. It's been a real pleasure. I've loved our visit and I appreciate you coming to our home today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today for this homemaker portrait of Jen Darnold. We hope you are leaving here encouraged and inspired to establish some rhythms in your practice of the art of home. Maybe you already have some well-established housework rhythms, but how are you doing in other areas of the art of home. Do you have rhythms for rest and play, for personal growth and development? Whatever your situation, start simply, start with the basics, and allow yourself time to grow into your rhythms. And remember, they are your rhythms, not to be compared with anyone else's. Effective rhythms are based on what's important to your family and what meets the needs of your unique circumstances. Jen shared some fabulous tips and resources with us in this homemaker portrait today. All of those are listed below in the show notes, as well as on our website, theartofhomepodcast.com. As usual, you can get a peek into Jen's home over at the website. 
Just go to theartofhomepodcast.com forward slash blog and click on the link to this episode, season three, episode one, Homemaking Rhythms with Jen Darnold. Connect with us on Instagram at the Art of Home Podcast. We're fairly active over there and we would love to meet with you and those beautiful little squares. Also, I have some really big news. We have a Twitter account. Be patient with me. I've never, ever, ever had a Twitter account, so I'm learning. But what I would really love to do is engage with you guys in some conversations about homemaking on Twitter. And let us know what you think over there about these episodes. What was one big takeaway that you had from Jen's story today? Find us on Twitter at The Art of Home. Now it is case sensitive. So if you want to make sure you're getting the right uh, username, go down to the links below in the show notes under stay in touch with The Art of Home podcast. And we have links to all our social accounts there, including Twitter. Leave us a review wherever you're listening. We love to hear your reviews. Any kind of feedback is so helpful. Send us an email if you'd rather with questions or comments. We love to hear from listeners when you tell us what uh, specifically impacted you from a particular episode or how you were encouraged or especially how we could do better with the show, what things you'd like to hear on the show, contact at theartofhomepodcast.com. Until next time, keep practicing your art of making a home.